You guys, it's looking a little bit like Christmas out there. Thank you for enduring the snow. I kind of want a little bit more, though, so I can go sled, and I've had a sled for three years. I'm getting really upset. I'm from Minnesota originally, and I'm kind of Nordic. I'm like, where's the snow? I've got sleds. Some of you guys are like, there's something really wrong with that man. <laughs> no to the snow. But uh, this is, uh, thank you guys for bringing this up. This is what I'm going to be drawing on today. This is a queen-size flat black bed sheet from Target. So after you watch this, if you want to try one on your own, uh, feel free. I uh, absolutely love the fact that Mercy Road lets me come out here and play. They have been supporting my family through this uh, crazy teachable moment. That's where it all happened. You know, I, I, was, I brought my, my daughters to Target about five years ago. We're sitting in the parking lot in the family truckster. And I said, guys, we're going to go in this building in just a minute. And we are going to be, we're going to be other-centered we are going to think about purchasing Christmas gifts for your mom, for grandparents, for your uncles and aunts. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And they're like, uh-huh, <laughs> absolutely. If you get us the cake pop first, you got to hit, gotta hit the, the Starbucks at, at Target. That's brilliant on their part. So we get that cake pop, we get over, get, get start shopping. And literally two seconds into this, this shopping endeavor, they are attacked by the me monster. You, you guys know what the me monster is, right? Me want this, me want that, me gotta have that. They start filling the cart full of stuff. I'm like, dude, what, what is this? What is that? Mom doesn't want slime for Christmas. No, I want that, I want it. And I got really frustrated because I hadn't felt like I'd done a very good job teaching my kids about the joy of giving, about the joy and the power of, of thinking of others. And so I, I do like to torture my kids a little bit. It's for my entertainment. Uh, and so the next weekend I had this plan. I got permission from the Russian, which is my wife. She's from Russia. That's what we call her. I got permission. She gave me clearance. And so we go to Target. We're in the parking lot again. And I says, guys, this is a little bit different from last weekend. This weekend's about you guys. In a minute, I'm going to take you into Target, and you can pick out whatever you want. And as soon as we got in there, they ran straight to the toy aisle, and they both got a Lego because I taught my kids at a very young age, Lego is, is awesome. It is the best toy. If you actually walk into, into Target, Walmart, Meyer, any of those places, that's the empty area of the toy section. All the Lego, they're gone. And my daughters, they both picked out two, what I like to call, mamma jamma sets. Those are the kind that break the bank. I'm, I'm at the cash register shelling out like 300 bucks, and I'm thinking, they better learn this lesson. This is very painful. <laughs> we get home. They're talking about building these sets the whole drive home. And in my mind, in my mind, I know what I'm going to do. In my mind, I just want to laugh. In my mind, I'm like, because <laughs> I have this evil thing I want to do, right? We get home, and they get ready to peel into them. And I get loud, and I stop, and I said, no, we're not opening those. And they both looked at me kind of like, what, what are you talking about, Dad? We've done this before. This isn't our first rodeo. We've got Lego before. Here's how it goes. We buy the Lego. We open the Lego. We play. Yay. I says, no, no. And I had some wrapping paper. I pulled it and I says, guys, we're wrapping these, these up. And man, were they ever mad. These guys are like just staring at me like, are you being for real? And I started explaining to them, we're going to wrap those up. We're going to give them away. And my youngest daughter says, like, I don't think so, Dad. It doesn't work this way. I'm talking to the Russian. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to explain to them. And, and finally, we got them wrapped up. And the really cool thing about that first year is my oldest daughter was there when we gave them away. She got to see the face of the recipient who got that gift. And she saw it. And she, she got hooked. She fell in love with that idea and, and, and experienced the power of giving. And in fact, she comes over to me and she says, Dad, that was, that was really cool. Can, can we do that again? And I'm like, um, all I'm thinking is about that 300 bucks. I'm thinking, yeah, this, this is a one-time deal, so yay. Well, hey, I mean, sometimes my kids just grab a hold of something. When they want to do something, they go and they get it done. And so this kid, during the summertime, starts doing her own little Lego drive. Grandma takes her to garage sales, and she starts going up to the people with the garage sales. Yeah, I don't see any Lego out here. Do um, you have any inside you want to sell? Get top dollar. Actually, it's a donation. I think you need to donate it. She's going to neighbor's houses asking for Lego. And I'm asking her, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to do what we did last year. And we made a deal. I said, hey, if you can keep excited, 
I'll help you. Five years later, we're collecting 625 sets. Crazy. And we've even roped in a few people, and one of them came right here. This, right, this guy right here, I love this dude. This guy is with HOSA. I'm going to do this. I'm going to practice. Because everybody asks, what's HOSA? And I always mess it up. And he's had me come out to speak at their conference. This is going to be like my fourth time. Fourth time. Uh, HOSA is for students. It's a student leadership program. And these students want to get into the medical field, any kind of, of area in the medical field. So that could be doctors, nurses, veterinarians, because you're a vet, right? Veterinarians. And so these student leaders, actually the last two years, have done fundraising and have collected 1000 bucks. Actually, next Saturday, we're taking all the money we raised. And his kids that have done all this hard work, these leaders, they're going to go to Lego store and they're going to pick out all the Lego. Now, they think they only got like 1000 bucks to spend. And we get there and be like... Guys, we got closer to three, so have fun. And we're, it's just going to be great watching these kids pick out stuff. And so, you know, this once little teachable moment has become something crazy. And the reason why I keep doing it, people, my wife even asked me, she asked me this the other day, she's like, yeah, how, how, long, how long are you going to be doing this for? And I said this, and, and she agreed, as long as the kids are still excited about it. Because really, that's why we do it. Anytime you can get a kid excited about something other than staring at this thing right here, you got to ride that. You got to ride it as long as you can. Teachable moments. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. I mean, most of you guys that are parents, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. You're looking for those moments where, okay, this is, this is a time where I can teach my kid to do this. This is a time where, where I can teach him to do that. And I remember my parents always looking for those moments growing up. Always. I got two brothers. I'm the runt of the family. I'm six foot four, 200 and a lot of pounds, and I'm the little one. We're originally from Minnesota. We're very Nordic people. I like to refer to us as the Sasquatch. In fact, I, I joke about this. This actually truly happened. The reason why I do that is because somebody called me a Sasquatch once. I, I was getting off of an airplane. This lady was all upset. I, she couldn't get around me, and she yelled at me, literally yelled at me, get out of the way, Sasquatch. <laughs> now, people might get offended by that, but that's just not me. I like to mess with people. I'm like, hey, I'll get out of the way if you give me some beef jerky. <laughs> Haven't you seen the commercial? We love that stuff. <laughs> I think she walked by and she mumbled something like, I think he's on medication. <laughs> yes. But I got two brothers and uh, we all are diagnosed ADHD, which means my parents had to deal with a lot. If you don't know what ADHD means, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It, it really means that uh, I love shiny things, I'm easily distracted, and I'm very good at entertaining myself. <laughs> And it also meant growing up, man, my brothers and I, we'd get into so much trouble. And my parents were always there trying to give us those teachable moments. Ben, no. Ben, no. Get off of the garage roof. Six trash bags duct taped together does not make a parachute. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's a true story. I have no idea how I even got up on that roof. But there I was. I was all infatuated with those little parachute guys. You know, you know the ones you go to the dollar store and, 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 and they're a buck and you throw them up and they're like, oh, that's awesome. And this is the way the ADD brain thinks. I'm, I'm watching this thing float down. I'm like, I can make that. And I grew up in the 80s. And so, you know, I watched too much of MacGyver. And I'm like, get some duct tape. Get some hefty bags. I tape something together. I make a parachute. I try to attach it to my little brother and get him up on that roof with me. But he had learned, don't follow him. And somehow I got up there. My mom, she heard me up there. And she saved my life. This isn't the first time yelling at me, get off of that garage roof. All the time teaching us. Because we would, we, we'd do crazy stuff. I remember one time, now because we lived in Minnesota, eventually we moved to Indianapolis because of this transition. Every Christmas, every Easter, we'd have to get into that LTD Ford station wagon and we'd have to drive like 12 hours to Minnesota to visit the relatives. And we didn't have what parents have now. We didn't have that iPad. We didn't have that Leapster Kindle fire to give our child and say, hey, hey, stop touching each other. Here, play that. And that little thing, I tell you, it, it, I, I, I try to create a balance with that device, but when you're on a road trip, it's not a device anymore. It's a sanity saver, okay? It saves your sanity. Because back when I was a kid, we didn't have that. You know, it, it would be like two, two minutes out of the driveway, and we'd be pounding on each other. My dad give us the line. I will turn this car right around. 
you know, that first time we get a little bit nervous because we really want to go to Minnesota because up in Minnesota, they got our Christmas presents up there. We got to get there. But, you know, after that first time my dad uses that line, we realize once he backs out, we're committed. We're going. It's going to be 12 hours of torture whether we like it or not. My mom, she'd bribe us because that's good parenting. It is, man. I got to do it with my kids too. You got to dangle the carrot. Hey, if you do this, I'll give you this. And my mom, she didn't, they didn't know about ADD back then. They didn't understand some things. And so she would bribe us with, with treats. She'd, she'd say things like, hey, if you kids can behave just through Chicago, please, just because of the traffic, I'll give you your favorite snack food right now, pixie sticks. Yeah, you put that together. <laughs> Pure sugar, ADHD and sugar, if you don't know this, not a good combination. It does something to us. It's not good. We get even more impulsive, and the shiny stuff gets even shinier. And so my, my mom, she kind of finally figured it out because we'd be bouncing off the walls, and we'd be doing crazy things. And I found something out. Parents have a boiling point. They do. In fact, I remember the first time my mom demonstrated this. She gave me a visual. Some of you parents probably use this with your kids. It goes something like this. I have had it up to here with you. You ever use that? I've had it up to here. I remember the first time my mom did that. The first time she said, I've had it up to here. I looked at my mom and I said, can you have it up to here? It's like two feet where I can keep on playing. You know, I'm a motivational speaker. You got to dream big. That didn't go over too well. One time we're driving through Wisconsin, and I don't know what we were doing. We were messing around. We were in the back seat, and my dad yelled something, something, something. And then he said something you never want to say to kids with ADHD. He said, be quiet and entertain yourselves. Entertain yourselves. Well, we're not good enough to do that. Entertaining ourselves is not a good idea because we're impulsive. We don't think about the consequences of doing things. You know, we look at things and we don't realize, hey, putting a fork into an electrical outlet can hurt you. But in our brain, our ADD brain is thinking, I'm going to make something shiny. I'm going to make some sparks. So my dad, and we're about teenager age, and we're all about just young teenagers, maybe 12, 13, 14. And there was a roll of duct tape underneath my dad's seat. And, you know, duct tape is shiny. It's that shiny gray stuff. And I pulled it out and I ripped off a piece and I put it over my mouth. I didn't realize how bad I was going to hurt peeling it off. Do not do this. It really it hurts, especially if you had a beard. Now, I didn't back then because that'd be weird. But I, I put it on my mouth, and I started making weird monkey noises, and I was getting all animated, and I was being quiet, which was really good because that's what my dad had asked. I was doing exactly what my dad said. I was very entertained. And so my brothers, they, they kind of thought that was cool, and so they're like, hey, give us a piece, give us a piece. And so I kind of ripped off a piece and distributed to everybody in the back seat, and they put it over their mouths, and we're all entertained, and it's great. And then my older brother, who can be very greedy, he, he grabs the duct tape, he slugs me in the arm, grabs the duct tape, and then he wraps my arms up, he, he like three strips around my wrist and, and kind of ties me up a little bit, and he steals it. We're just trying to not get in trouble with my dad. What we don't realize is that we are on a major highway in Wisconsin. There are cars passing by. They can see back in the back seat of that station wagon, and what they see are three kids with duct tape on their mouths <laughs> and the one closest to the window tied up, trying to break free. Now, I guarantee you they're not looking in the back seat thinking, oh, that's precious. Hey, Ted, look at the, those kids must have ADHD. Look, they're trying to entertain themselves. We got bored with the tape. If you know anything about people with ADD, what entertains us in one moment, the next we, we move on. We get distracted by something else. And so I balled that tape up and I stuffed it underneath my dad's chair. You know, I hide the evidence. 40 minutes later, my dad gets pulled over. Now he'd been pulled over before, but I have never seen this before. I've never had this happen in my whole life. The state trooper comes over to my car, the car, has my dad roll down the window and he says, sir, I need you to get out. Never seen that before. He's all, it's always been license and registration, but he says, no, I need you to get out of the car, sir. And they get out, they walk out, and they're, and they're in front, and they're having a conversation that we cannot hear. But we can see that my dad is getting more and more angry. He's turning different shades of red. And occasionally he glances back at us and gives us a mad mug. And I, I have no, none of it. We have no idea what we did. And all I can think of is, Sam, what did you do? You know, blaming him, right? After a heated conversation, the state trooper comes over to my side of the window, has me roll it down, and I am literally this far away from tears. I'm ready to just freak out and cry. 
I'd never, it was so scary. And this guy, he looks at me and he's dead serious. He's like, do you know that man? Do you know? And this, I'm ready to go like, it's our daddy, please. It's our dad. Before I can say a single word, my older brother Sam screams out, we don't know him. <laughs> That's my family for you. You want to come over for Christmas? <laughs> oh, got to get some water. I put ice in this three days ago. It's still there. I want to get a Yeti because I think that's pretty closely related to a Sasquatch. It just fits me much better. Growing up, I heard the word no a lot. No, Ben, no. Teachable moments, always looking for them. One I'll never forget. Christmas 1985. My dad said no in a big way. And the worst thing that a kid can do when a parent says no, young people listen to this, when a parent says no, you never, ever, ever want to turn around and say yes, because something bad's going to happen. Being disobedient is not a good thing. I learned that firsthand, Christmas 1985. It ha happened like this. We're all at home, Christmas break, there are all these presents under the tree, because my, my, my relatives had shipped them down, UPSed them down. Underneath the tree, it's already filled with shiny wrapped boxes with bows. When you have ADD and you see that, all you want to do is just tear into it. And my mom knows that. And so she lays down the law. She says, if you even look at them the wrong way, I'm giving them out. I'm giving them to someone else. So we would beg and we'd plead the whole week. Mom, let us open up one. Mom, just let just one. We even got creative. We'd take my little brother, who at the time was Walt Disney cute, big, beautiful blue eyes. We'd slug him in the arm, get some tears going. Okay, Chris, go ask now. Go, go, go. Take those tears in there. He'd go find my mom. <laughs> Please, Mom, will you let us open up one? They're going to kill me. <laughs> Usually my mom was great. She kind of knew what we were doing, and she'd cave in. And if she gave us the green light, it really was like a scene out of a movie. All three of us would dive underneath that tree. We'd shuffle through all those packages, and we'd be looking for one. One specific package from my grandfather. My grandfather really was like Santa. He had a wood shop in Minnesota, and he handmade all of his toys. And, and we're talking high-end stuff. Trains, planes, boats, cool stuff. And so we're shuffling around trying to find that big box from Grandpa. But this year, the box was about like that big. I'm looking at that box. My brothers are looking at their box. We're looking at each other, kind of confused like. But of course, it had a bow on it, so we had to rip into it. What we unveiled was one of the coolest gifts that we'd ever gotten as a kid. A brand new, shiny, Swiss Army knife. Guys, this ain't just a knife. It's a tool. It's got three sharp blades, Phillip flathead screwdriver, corkscrew saw, scissors, tweezers, and a toothpick. Now here's something that you do not do. You do not give three hyperactive boys sharp blades. My youngest brother, Chris, whips open the largest blade, starts running around the room screaming, I'm gonna cut stuff. <laughs> he starts screaming, let's play swords. I whip open the scissors, I'm trimming the Christmas tree, ornaments are falling. My brother Sam's got the corkscrew, he's trying to burrow out of the house. And my dad sees this, and he steps in, intervenes, and says that word, no. Lays down the law. He says, guys, give me those. He confiscates the knives, which means he takes the knives away, and he hides them. And he says, I do not want you boys touching these knives until this summer when you're with your grandfather. It's his problem. <laughs> All week long, I did the exact opposite of what my dad asked. I went looking for the knives. I disobeyed. I deliberately went looking for him because I knew what was coming. At the end of the week was Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve, my, my family always had a party, but kids weren't invited. For the last few years, we were left in our room to entertain ourselves, which was really boring. They're down there pounding checks Mix, listening to Bing Crosby, and we're up in our room. Bored. And so this year, I was going to be the entertainment. I found the knives. I told my brothers, hey, when the party gets started, get a couple chairs, set them up. We're going to have some fun tonight. I come back. I have all three of the knives. And I says, guys, for the next few minutes, I'm going to demonstrate the awesomeness of the Swiss Army knife. And I did. I took the saw. I cut the head off of some stuffed animals. I, I, I took the, 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 the corkscrew to the dresser drawer. I made a hole. I, I, I took the toothpick out. I poked my little brother. It was sharp. 
it went really good. It was one of my first performances, if not my first performance ever. And I had a finale. I, had, I saved the largest blade deliberate because you got to have a finale. You got to end it big. I hold up a piece of paper. I said, guys, give me a drum roll and watch what happens. When I sliced down, I was going to slice down, and that paper was supposed to just kind of cut in two. Those of you guys from the 80s, remember the Ginsu knives? That just <laughs> I wanted to do something like I'd seen on TV. And maybe it was the drum roll, maybe it was all of this adrenaline that I was feeling, but when I sliced down, I totally whiffed. I missed the paper, hit my finger, and my knife show became like a horror film because I started going like this. And blood's flapping all over my little brother who starts freaking out, crying. My older brother, Sam, stands up. He gives me a standing ovation. <laughs> he starts clapping. He's like, that was the best, best knife show I've ever seen. Now, we all know we're in trouble. And even though they weren't messing with the knives, they're accomplices, so they know. And we're trying to fix it. We try to fix my finger. You know they say duct tape fixes everything? That's a lie. We tried duct tape, Elmer's glue, everything that you could think of, and, and we just, we knew. There's no way. It was cut too deep. And so we, we decided, we voted that Sam, my older brother, would go tell my dad. We weren't going to send my little brother because he's still covered in blood and we figured that'd ruin the party real fast. Can you imagine that? My little brother covered, hey guys, what's going on? How's the checks mix? <laughs> That's messed up. I'm not going in there because I, my hand's all wrapped up in a, in a, in a bed sheet, all covered, you know, and I'm, I'm freaking out still. And so Sam, he goes into the party, finds my dad, we're kind of watching to see what happens. He goes, hey, Dad, how you doing? You doing good, Dad? Good party this year? Good? I see Bing's playing. Great. Um, Dad, do you remember your son, Ben? Yeah, he, yeah he's the middle one. Um, do you remember how he used to have ten fingers? Yeah. He's down to nine. <laughs> so my dad and I, we get in the car, and we drive. And it's, we live kind of in a rural area, so it's about a 30, 40-minute drive to the hospital. And I am not kidding. When I got in that car, I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. Because all I could think about, all I could focus in on was me. What was going to happen to me? What was dad going to do? Was he going to yell and scream? Was he going to give me a lecture? Was he going to take all of my Christmas presents and give them away? Was he going to send in the Kraken? Something horrible, right? I mean, my mind went dark. I was so afraid. But he didn't say anything, which I think might have been worse. The whole drive was quiet. The only thing my dad said is, don't bleed all over the car. Okay. Hopefully the duct tape will hold. <laughs> we get to the hospital. They sign us in. Eventually they bring us into that room in the back where there's that bed lined with butcher paper. I don't know why they do that. But I sat down. I thought this is appropriate because I'm dead meat. And I sat down. I thought maybe this is when my dad was going to scream and yell. You know, he's just holding it on, creating the anticipation. But he didn't. And, and just for a moment, all of that focus, that selfish focus, all of that me, myself, and I that I was consumed with, it evolved. And I looked at my dad, and instead of just thinking about myself, I, I literally, I looked at my dad, and I saw something that I hadn't really seen. I saw a look of concern, a look of worry, even. My dad had never been through something like this. We, at that particular time in our life, we'd never done anything where we had to go to the emergency room. And when I looked at my dad and I saw that, Man, I was overwhelmed with guilt. Incredible guilt. And I realized what I had done. Man, I blew it. I messed up his most favorite day of the year. The reason why he had this specific Christmas party was because it was the one time where he got the whole day off. He could hang out with his friends. Because the next day, Christmas morning, he'd have to go to work. He'd go to work Christmas morning because he could earn time and a half to pay for all of the gifts underneath that tree. And I ruined it. And man, I tell you what, I've never felt that bad before. I'm not the most courageous person. But what I did next, I think, took some courage. I looked at my dad, and, and I don't know where I found it, guys, because it's just, it's hard to do. But I did, and I said, Dad, I'm so sorry. I messed up your good time. My dad looked at me, and I could see he was getting choked up, and so he had to crack a joke, because that, that's what we do in my family when we get, you know, choked up. We crack jokes. He said, I'm just glad you didn't cut your whole hand off. You know, now that I look back, I'm thinking, that actually is kind of funny because of what I do for a living, you know. Kind of need my hands to draw. I didn't realize it then how funny it is now. 
We got in the car after they put my finger back together and we're driving home. And I asked my dad, I says, Dad, what's going to happen now? Because I thought, hey, you know what? If he wanted to give all my gifts away, I deserved that. And my dad said, I think you've been through enough. And then he kind of did this dramatic pause and then he dropped this hammer on me. He says, oh, by the way, I can't tell you what your mom's going to do to you, but you know, you and me, we're okay. And then I got all worried again because my mom can get really scary. She like turned into like a velociraptor kind of a thing, you know. <sighs> yeah, scary stuff. Spits the acid stuff. I get home and I'm, I, I open the door and I'm just waiting for my mom to scream and yell and raptor on me and, and get all crazy like a dinosaur. And instead, she brings her arms around me, gives me this huge bear hug and whispers in my ear, if you ever do that again, I will cut your hand off. <laughs> Thanks, mom. And if you know my mom, you know that's so true. That's something she would say. My, parent, my brothers were already in bed. My mom pulled out a plate of Christmas cookies. She makes the best Christmas cookies. Put a fire on, cranked up, bang. And I sat there talking with my parents. We talked a little bit about the knives, but most of the night was just about Christmas. The next morning, underneath that tree, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was nothing with my name on it, but there was tons of stuff under there. I'd been asking for the limited edition Lego castle. It was the most expensive castle in 1985. It was like 100 bucks, more than my parents could afford. And underneath that tree, I can remember peeling it open thinking, no way, no way. Here it is. If you were to ask me what was the best gift, out of all the gifts that you got, what was the best? And there were some good ones. That castle was pretty good. But the best gift I got that year was the gift of grace. What my parents gave me that night, I've never forgotten. What my parents gave me that night is something I didn't deserve. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be grounded. I deserve to visit the Kraken. I really don't know what the Kraken is. I just like to say it. It's maybe an ADD thing. I don't know. <laughs> but I deserved punishment. But instead, my dad said, no, we're going to let this one go. We're going to pardon you. We're going to love on you. We're going to give you something different. And because of that, I have tried to use that with my own kids. Because I remember how precious that gift was. If you were to ask me, Ben, what's your favorite part of Christmas? I won't lie to you. I love the presents. I do. I love waking up and seeing all of those shiny wrapped boxes underneath that tree, praying the big one's mine. You know, if you've ever seen someone with ADHD open up a package, it is pure entertainment. We get our teeth involved. We shred it. I mean, growing up, the three of us, when we'd get our gifts, we'd be over there, we'd be shredding, drools flying everywhere, mom screaming, save the bow! We're like, mom, the bow's dead. <laughs> and the reason why I love presents so much is because of what it represents. Inside that package, that gift... It represents the fact that, that, that when somebody bought it, they were thinking of me. They were thinking of me. That package, what's inside of it, I don't have to pay for it. It's totally free. Free. I mean, has anybody ever handed you a package, a Christmas gift, and, and in turn you turned around and asked, hey, um, what do I owe you for that? I tell you what, I, I'll do the dishes after Christmas dinner, can I pay, pay for it that way? Do you ever say that? Do you ever say, can I write you a check? Do you take PayPal? No, that never happens. When you get that gift, they're giving it to you freely. All they expect is one thing in return. If it's truly a gift, if they expect a paycheck, it's, it's, if they, they expect a check, it, it is a paycheck. You're paying them. It's not a gift. The whole idea of a gift is it's got to be free. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, a gift. And this time of the year, we got gifts on our, on our mind. How do I know? I was at Target two days ago. I saw how crazy. This one dad, he had two Lego sets in his basket, and they were big ones. And he mumbled as he's walking through. He's like, I cannot believe how expensive these things are. And I turned around, and I said, yeah, they're plastic gold. But your kids are going to love them. This time of the year, we do, we get caught up with the idea of we got to get the gifts, we got to get the gifts. And I used to travel with a guy, he's an old guy, he has a hard time getting around a little bit, and he's slow, and I'm messing with you, dude, You're, he's in the back. But he used to travel with me, got me hooked on John Wayne movies and oldies. 
But every day we'd get on the road, he'd say to me, Ben, today, let's make sure we make the main thing the main thing. Let's keep it simple. And there are more and more occasions where throughout the day he would look at me, and that was his words of wisdom, make the main thing the main thing. And this time of the year we get so busy, so caught up, and so in the anxiety and the worry and the stress of the holidays, sometimes we get so focused on all of this stuff that we forget about the main thing, the ultimate gift. God gave us the ultimate gift, and it's why we celebrate Christmas. He gave us this incredible gift, his son. Jesus. And the great thing about this gift and, and the way that God orchestrates things, he orchestrates them in a way so that you cannot be mistaken about who this gift is for. I mean, the way that Jesus came into this world, there wasn't this huge parade, there wasn't bright, shiny lights, there wasn't tinsel, ADD-friendly, shiny things. There was a manger. There was a barn. There were some goat herders. I mean, how crazy is it that God decided, hey, instead of going to the, the kings and all the most powerful, influential people in the world and let them know first, I'm going to go to that sheep herder right there, that, that, that shepherd, and I'm going to tell him, and I'm going to tell him, and, and, and that angel appears and says, hey, guess what? This gift is here. It's over there. Go. And, and when you go, just know this. It's for everybody. God brought this news of this incredible gift to a shepherd first so that there would be no mistake. This incredible gift of Jesus is for all mankind. What a gift represents is a precious thing, and that's why I love the Lego drive. I love the idea of a kid getting a gift and knowing that when they open it, there's somebody out there thinking of them. On that Lego gift, we put a little sticker that says this, Lego's the best, and we want you to know that you're worth the best. And even if a kid doesn't love Lego, I want them to have that message in their mind. The essence of what a gift all comes from that first gift, the gift of Jesus. And so my encouragement to you this holiday season, maybe for the next few moments as I draw on this bedsheet from Target, make the main thing the main thing. Remember that incredible gift, that gift that God gave each and every single one of us the gift of his son Jesus, the gift of salvation, the gift of love and grace. I'm going to put some chalk on this canvas and draw for you now. I would like to invite you guys, I, you know, I just got to do it. I'm going to pray before I draw because it's a good thing to do and it helps me focus. So I just want to invite you guys, let's just pray real quick before I, I draw and get chalky for you. God, I thank you for everybody in this room tonight and I thank you for their unique stories and what you're doing in their life. And I know, God, it's by no mistake that they're here. And I hope that, Father, amidst the candy canes and Santa and talk of Lego, that it all comes down to one thing, that when we leave this place, we remember the wisdom from a good friend of mine. Make the main, main thing the main thing. Remember what this time of the year is about. Don't let the stress of the holidays rob us of the joy that you bring. Let us remember and embrace this incredible gift that you've given to all mankind. God, my hands as I draw this picture, and may you receive all of the glory. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen.
waits for a miracle The heart longs for a little bit of hope Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel A child prays for peace on earth And she's calling out from a sea of hurt Oh, come, oh, come Emmanuel And can you hear the angels
And this is one of my favorites. I get to draw little puffballs and call them sheep. But isn't it great how just with some simple chalk we can be encouraged to remember to make the main thing the main thing. People ask me, why Lego? Why do we collect 625 sets? One, because we're insane. But because it's amazing how, just even through a simple gift, a kid can find hope. And maybe through that hope, a kid will learn about the greatest gift of all. As you guys continue to prepare, and I asked Josh, the pastor here, if we could do this earlier in December so that I could be an encouragement to you guys to remember amongst all the craziness and all the shopping and all the preparations and all the family to find joy. To be in the moment. To embrace the little things. And when you have a chance to maybe close your eyes and remember what it's all about.